is going to be more of a Bible study tonight, more of teaching than it is going to be uh, preaching. There is a difference. And so uh, this, this topic we're covering this weekend is extremely important, especially in the season of life that we're in right now. How many of us in here, how many of us in here know someone who's dealing with a serious medical condition right now? Let me see your hands. You have a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, whatever. Now, how many of you here tonight are dealing with an issue? Amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? Amen. Praise God. Now, listen, here's what I'm going to, here's what I want you to, to, to bring your level of expectation up. The anointing of the Holy Spirit resides on the Word. The power of God resides on His Word. Okay? Now, let me just explain this to you because... Uh, I'm not sure you're getting this yet. The power of God is manifested by the word of God. Now, that means that those of you that are here tonight and you've got a medical issue that you're dealing with, a medical condition that you're dealing with, it could be a chronic situation or it could be something that's just popped up recently. I want you to raise your level of expectation that as we go through the scriptures tonight as it pertains to healing, that you're going to have an expectation on the inside, I'm going to receive that. Because listen to me, listen to me. We're going to go through at least five different ways that we can receive healing and administer healing. Because we're called not only to receive healing, amen, we're called to administer healing, okay? However, the greatest way, and let me put it this way, the way that honors God the most is when we receive healing based on his word. Based on, because he said it, we take hold of it, we believe it, we stand on it, and we see it manifest in our lives. That honors God the most because we're taking him at his word. We're demonstrating trust in him, okay? Now watch this now. That means it is very possible that there's some of you tonight, and I wish everybody could get on in this, that you can leave this place healed tonight just because you sat under the teaching of the word. One person got it, another person got it, another person got it. You see, you see, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here. You see, most of us are used to somebody has to lay their hands on us or somebody's got to pay, pray a particular prayer for us. And, and, and God's provided for that. We're going to go through that. But the way that honors him the most is that when we take hold of his word and say, Father, you said this, okay? You said that by the stripes on Jesus' back, I'm healed. Guess what? I'm healed. Okay, well, I don't know if I can believe that. Okay. Go back to your born-again experience. You put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because the Word of God said that he bore on himself all of your sin, all of your shame, all of our reproach, and then in addition, all of our sickness and disease, and you received Christ. You said a prayer that took you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of God based on what the Word said that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. You got that? You came into the kingdom of God by putting your trust in what the word of God says. Everything after that should be easy. You got this? Why does this have to be a very important foundational part of our foundation of our belief system? Because we're seeing sickness and disease Rampant. Rampant. And it is one thing that every church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be preaching right now and teaching, especially teaching, is divine healing. Get this settled in your heart. It has never been God's will for you to be sick. It has never been God's will for you to have a disease. It has never been God's will for human, the human race to suffer any type of sickness, disease, disease, abnormality, allergies, uh, food disorders, 
any of those things. That has never been part of the plan from day one. But some of you are saying, but it is now, right? But God didn't bring that into effect. God did not create this world for us to have diseases and sicknesses and bacteria and viruses and all this other kind of stuff, okay? That came into the human experience because of sin, okay? Now, let me say this ahead of time. You're probably going to hear me mention it more. I did not say that because you personally sinned, sickness came on you. Because, you know, there are some people that believe that way. You know, when I first got born again in the church I was in, God forbid if you sneezed, people thought you sinned now because you got a cold. And, you know, that, that creates a lot of guilt and condemnation, right? Thank God, we, thank God we found the truth and got away from all that foolishness. Uh, but let's face it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many, how many of us think about this? When you get sick, the first thing you think of is, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? How, well, you know, why, why, this is the one you really want to go like, how, why did God put this on me? What did I do that God's putting this on me? Now, see, what, you, what you're demonstrating when you do that, so catch yourself before somebody else hears that, okay? And understand, when you come to that conclusion, number one, it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. Number two, you cannot find it in the Word of God. It does not exist. So it's coming from another voice, and that's the voice of the enemy. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask you, please, for your sake, pay attention to the Scriptures. If you have a Bible, open up your Bible, follow me. Uh, if you don't, look up at the screens. If you have your own phone, if you have a Bible app on your phone, if you don't have one, go to our website, and you can get one right on your phone. Go to our Bible app, and you can get a, a Bible application there, okay? And you can follow us. It is listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me for a second. Look at me. It's extremely important that your eyes see what I'm preaching, what I'm teaching tonight. It's important for you to see it. You cannot come here and just take, it, take me at my word. You need to see that what I'm teaching is matching what the scripture says. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. Okay, good. You ready? Yes. All right. The scriptures show us 100% certain that it is God's will for us to experience healing. 3 John verse 2. 3 John verse 2. This is probably one of the easiest ones to remember. Beloved, and, and listen to me, listen to me, because I know we've taught a lot on healing in the past. Do not sit here and go, I know this. I've heard this. Let the scriptures speak to you in the season that you're in now. Okay? Beloved, so who's this written to? Us. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in what? Health, just as your soul prospers. And that's what we're doing. This series that we're teaching on foundations is exactly to accomplish the last part of that verse of Scripture. Our souls prosper when we learn the Word of God. And not just here, when we learn the Word of God. Now, this Scripture is written by the Apostle John, yes? yes. I'm going to put it to you this way. John's hand wrote this, yes? yes. But who inspired it? Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, so can we read it as if the Holy Spirit himself is saying this to us? Because yes. now we find out God's will. We find out God's desire. Amen? Amen? So the Holy Spirit would say unto you, Beloved, I pray. Some translations say, I wish above all things, or I desire. But let's keep it this way. I pray that you may prosper. Is it a good thing to prosper? Yes. Okay. That you may prosper in how many things? A few things? All, all things. And... Be in health. Now, why is that important? Because what good is the prosperity if you don't have any health? You catching this? You know, plenty of people, two, three million dollars in the bank, and they can't even eat a sandwich. They, have no, they can't digest it. They, they've ruined their health, okay? God wants us to prosper in all things and be in health. Now, watch this now. We could say it this way. In proportion to as your soul prospers. Now, when I first got born again, I thank God for salvation. And I, I knew about that because I'd experienced it. But thank God I didn't get sick right away during that season 
because I didn't know any of this yet. So we could say it this way, my soul had not yet prospered in the area of healing. Are you catching this? Yes. My soul had not yet prospered in the area of healing. So in the areas where your soul does not prosper by the word of God, the enemy can have a foothold in your life. And because a lot of people don't bother to study this stuff until they really get sick, the enemy has a foothold in people's lives, and most people default to human tradition, religious traditions, or superstition when they get sick. They come up with their own way of dealing with things. Well, I just believe God's trying to teach me something. What's he going to teach you? The most he can teach you is your ignorance of the word. And if God is a good God, and he is, then he would never use sickness and disease to teach you anything. You listening? But those are the first things, the first voice we hear in our head. God's trying to teach you something. So, are you hearing that? I'm trying to get rid of this thing. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. This blows every theory out of the water about God putting disease on people, about God punishing people with disease, about God trying to teach you something, about God trying to humble you with disease. No. He said, above all things, I pray that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. So you have an opportunity tonight, next 35 minutes, to prosper in your soul. Amen? Amen. So get this settled in your heart forever. Number one, there was no sickness or disease in the Garden of Eden, and that's very important for you to know that because the garden represents the prototype of what life is supposed to be for mankind on earth. You understand this? It's a prototype. You go, let's say you go and you're looking for a home. And you find out that down the road, someplace on the other side of town, they're building a brand new development. And you go there, and normally, as soon as you pull in, you're going to see the property completely cleared and devoid of trees. And then you're going to see one, two, three houses. What do you call those? Model homes, right? So in that model home, they're going to represent to you what the plan is to build those houses. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So when you go there, you can go and you can go and look. You say, well, I want a ranch. So you can go to the ranch and they'll show you, this is the ranch. This is what it's going to look like. You got your choice of colors. You got your choice of cabinets. You got your choice of countertops. You got your choice of flooring, whether you want carpeting or you want hardwood flooring, whatever it is. And that's it. And like Judge Judy would say, the agreement is within those four corners. Whatever the contract states that you signed, that's it. That's so that model is your prototype. You can't go there and say after you buy the house, well, I thought there was going to be a deck on the back. No, there was no deck on the model. Now, for another $15,000, you understand what I'm saying? But they put up a prototype, and that shows you this is the will of the builder. This is what he's going to build. This is a representation. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Well, the garden is our model home. What you see in there is what God's desire has been for mankind. And in the garden experience, you do not see sickness, disease, depression, mental illness. You don't see, you don't see any of these things that are robbing mankind of our health. Not until sin comes into the world. So when you get mad because you go to the doctor and he tells you this is your condition, this is what's going on, do not ever say, how could God do this to me? Say this, devil, in the name of Jesus, you tried to put this on me, but by his stripes I am healed, and therefore you are off limits to the health of my life. Put, if you're going to get mad, and listen, some people need to get mad when they get a bad report from the doctor. 
You need to get mad. You need to get angry. Not at the doctor. At the devil for putting that thing on you. You need to get mad. What, what some people do, I'm not suggesting anybody in here. <laughs> you fall into self-pity. You fall into denial. We fall into all these other kind of stupid things that our emotions want to get us in. And then when we do get angry, we get angry at the doctor or we get angry at God. Get angry at the source where it came from. Not this source, but the source where it came from. Get angry with that. I'm telling you, there's something about that. It's a godly indignation. It's a, it's a righteous anger. Like, how dare you put this sickness on me after my Savior took it upon himself at the cross, suffered horribly, took my sicknesses, took my diseases, and by his wounds, I've been healed. Who are you to put that on me, devil? Amen. Now, I'm reminded of this. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'll just throw it out. You might want to mention this tomorrow. When Paul is arrested in Jerusalem, they found him in the temple. People there accused him of bringing uh, Gentiles into the temple. They arrest him. They bring him to the Roman fortress there, and they have him tied up, and they have him maybe in shackles, whatever, and they're getting ready to beat him and to whip him. And he turns to them and says... Is it legal for you to whip, to chastise a Roman citizen? I would have loved to have been there. When we get to heaven, I'm going to say, Jesus, can I see the rerun on that one? Because I'll guarantee you, every one of those Roman soldiers or every one of those officials went like this. You're what? Because it was illegal under the penalty of death to flog or to whip or to torture a Roman citizen. And when I heard that story, immediately I made the, the connection in my mind. That's the same thing that the devil tries to do to us. What would happen if we would turn around to the devil and say to him, excuse me, I'm a citizen of heaven. I've been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm just here behind enemy lines. Who do you think you are to try to torment me? to try to torture me, to try to put sickness and disease on me. And he's got to back off. He's got to back off when you stand in your authority. But before you can get to that place of authority, your soul has to have prospered in this area. You have to know that you know that you know what the scriptures say as it pertains to divine healing. Otherwise, you won't have what it takes to stand and, and take authority over the enemy. You listening to me? One time, many, many years ago, when I was in the restaurant business, uh, busy Saturday night, dining room full, my wife calls up and she says, uh, you need to pray. One of the boys, I forget who it was, had a really high fever. I got off the phone. And the first thing that hit me was guilt and condemnation. I don't remember what it was over. I don't remember if it was maybe I didn't read my, my Bible for a couple of days or maybe I didn't pray for a couple of days or whatever. My first inclination was to get aside, get on my knees, and ask God for forgiveness. Then I realized what the heck I was doing. I went, why am I doing this? This guilt and condemnation is trying to undermine my authority to get my son free from sickness and disease. Well, I got news here. I got up off the floor really quick. Turned around, and, and, and I went into a little bathroom, right, to be by myself. I turned around, and now anybody would have heard me outside. They would have, what the heck is he doing? And I commanded the devil to take his hands off of my wife, off of my child. Walked out of that thing. Called my wife maybe 10, 15 minutes later. She said, no, it's fever broke. Fever's broke. Fever's gone. Now, I don't tell you these things. You go, oh, look, my pastor. No, I'm telling you, this is how practical the word of God is. But listen to me. You've got to know the word of God before you can, stand, you can stand in authority of the word of God. Are you getting this? Yes. Number one, there's no sickness and disease in the garden. Number two, sickness and disease are a result of sin coming into the world. We've studied this over and over again. The fact that sickness and disease came into the world through sin. It is not something that God ever desired for us. Okay? Can you get that settled in your heart now? 
Okay, sickness and disease did not come because God said on such and such a day, I'm going to introduce bacteria and viruses into the world. It came because of sin. Amen? Yes. Now, how many of you would say it is impossible for Jesus to hate? Let me see your hands. How many would say that it's impossible for Jesus to hate? Put your hands down. You're wrong. Jesus hates sickness. Jesus hates disease. He hates it because he's seen what it's done to mankind. Jesus, Jesus hates blindness because it stops a person from seeing the beauty of creation, and it stops a person from reading the word of God. He hates deafness because it prevents a person from hearing the word of God, and therefore it prevents that person from developing faith. You remember Romans ten seventeen says what? Now faith comes by and hearing the word of God. He hates paralysis because it robs a person of their freedom and their dignity. He hates leprosy. We see that all throughout the word. Why? Because it disfigures the one who's been made in the image and likeness of God. It is not something that God uses to punish people. It is not something that God uses to teach anyone anything. It is never God's will for someone to be sick. Never. If that were the case, now listen to me, if that were the case, then Jesus was going against God's will when he healed people. Can you think about this? Think about it. Think about it. Put, your, put your thinking caps on. Think about this. If Jesus, and it tells us, and I think we're going to go to the scripture soon, that he went about, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. If it was God's will for a person to be sick, then Jesus is going against God's will. Yes or no? Yes. Now, let me ask you this question. And I'm not going to answer a show of hands because I know there's some people in this room that entertain this up until now. I hope you don't after tonight. If it is God that puts sickness and disease on your life and it's his will for you to carry... Let me give you an old Catholic one. If it's his will for you to carry that cross, then why do you go to the doctor? Why would you go to the doctor? If it's God's will for your life, then go home and have that. It just tell them, again, put more on me because I don't want to be out of your will. Why would you take medicine? Why would you take vitamins? Why would you eat right? Why would you exercise? If it's God's will that he puts sickness and disease on, you run with it. But we don't because there's something on the inside that we know on the inside this isn't right. We know on the inside that we're not supposed to be sick. We know on the inside that we're not supposed to just give in to disease. Now, listen to me. How many of you have alarm systems in your house? That's it? How many of you have alarm systems in your house? Okay. Now, do you wait until the burglar is there in the house? What do you do? If somebody's got a crowbar, they cracked open your window, they're climbing through, what do you do? Go, wait a minute, go, hold on a second. Uh, excuse me, can I get an alarm system put in my house? Do you do that? No. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? Okay, so let me, let me give you a warning here. There's some of you that feel good right now. You're not dealing with any pains. You're not dealing with any kind of symptoms. You're doing pretty good tonight. But the danger in that is that you're not taking this message serious because right now you don't have a need in that direction and in that area. I'm asking you, please, even if you feel great right now, even if you haven't had any symptoms of anything for a long time, please get these scriptures under your belt because you don't know what's coming in the future. Amen. You don't know what you may face next year, 10 years from now. Are you listening to me? Yes. You don't wait till you're in the middle of a crisis to find a solution. You prepare ahead of time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Pastor, this is awesome. You're teaching good tonight. Hallelujah. Now, Exodus chapter 15. What are we talking about here? God always comes on the scene in order to counter the result of man's sin, or we could say the kingdom of darkness. God always comes on the scene to reverse what Satan wants for mankind. Exodus 15. Moses now is saying what God told him to say to the people of Israel, God's people. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, 
give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, in other words, his principles, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. Could you say this with me nice and loud? For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord. This is God introducing himself now. Isn't it amazing? Oh my gosh, I just realized that. Now you look at Exodus 15, it takes place right after the parting of the Red Sea. They come through, they, they come out of Egypt. Egypt is always a type of the world. Egypt is always a type of the world without God. They come through the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism. They come up on the other side. So it's very symbolic of salvation. And what's the very next thing that, that God reveals himself as? Healer. Healer. For I am the Lord that heals you. You notice heals is, is like a continuous... In fact, in King James, it says, for I am the Lord that healeth you. Okay? So God reveals himself as, as our healer. God's saying to his people there, I will not judge you with the same judgment I judge the Egyptians. Now, it's extremely important. Could you, could you go back? Could you go back? Go back. One more verse. If you're not careful, you'll get hung up on this. I did for a little while in my early years because I concluded, well, I don't always diligently listen to his voice. I don't always do what's right in his sight. I don't always give, give ear to his commandments, and I don't always walk in his principles. But somebody did. Amen. Jesus did. Amen. Jesus did. And listen, you are in relationship with God, but you're in relationship with God through Jesus. And because he diligently heeded the voice of the Lord, because he did what was right in the sight of God, and because he gave ear to his commandments and kept all his principles, because we are in Christ, then we now can partake of the promise, I am the Lord who heals you. You getting this? All right, I'm going to keep going. You jump in whenever you feel like it. All right. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. I talked about this before. And how we went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus came to undo everything the enemy of mankind brought on mankind, including sickness and disease. It, it doesn't have a right to afflict you. But it's illegal to rob banks too, but people still do it. Until somebody says, put the money down, or I'm going to shoot you. And until a Christian says, until a believer says, devil, take your sickness and disease off of me, then sickness and disease is going to try to come on you. All right. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. I'm reading to you from the Amplified Classic Version. Um, I'm going to skip to the second part of it. You got it up there? Yeah. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works that the devil has done. The reason Jesus came and manifested himself on the earth was to overturn, to unravel, to neutralize, to dissolve everything that the enemy tried to put on mankind and was very successful to put on mankind. Are you getting this? Yes. All right, good. I'm going to keep going. Understand and believe. Understand and believe. Did you hear what I just said? Understand and believe. Belief is a choice. When you understand things, then you can make the choice to believe something. And I hope that you're getting this tonight. Understand and believe that sickness comes from Satan. I'm going to keep nailing this thing. I'm going to keep coming up with this thing. Luke chapter 13, verse 11, New King James. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he did what? He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But look at what the religious people did. They got nervous. They didn't like this. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. God forbid if this woman would get relief on the Sabbath day. 
and said to the crowd, next verse, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and, be healed on, uh, uh, come and be healed on them, not on the Sabbath day. Now watch, this is a jab at Jesus and this poor woman who's been bowed over for 18 years. So Jesus, you come and do your work here during those other days. And to the woman who was sick, you should come and get healed. Now watch what Jesus does. I love this part of Jesus. See, we don't see a lot of this. In our modern day Christian culture, we want Jesus to be Mr. Nice Guy. Handles everybody nice, never gets mad. Never has, never, you know, always like, oh, oh, uh, you know, is, is this, this love that's, that's sickening, okay? True love hurts. You know that? Okay, watch this now. Now, he's going to put them in his place. The Lord answered him and said, hypocrite. How would you like, a, hey, how would you like to call your friend? Or, hey, the Lord spoke to me this morning, called me hypocrite. <laughs> hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? Yeah, you know darn well they did. And what's he telling them? You have more compassion on a donkey or on an ox than you've had on this woman. Next, next verse. So ought not this woman, oh, here we go, being a what? Daughter of Abraham. Look at, look at, where's the sickness coming from? Whom Satan has bound. Think of it for 18 years. Shouldn't she be loosed of this bond on the Sabbath? Man, he shoved it right in their face. Why? Was he trying to just be nasty? No, he's trying to wake them to the truth because they got themselves so convinced of their own traditions and their own opinions, they forgot what the word of God really said. He's saying to them, she, she's a, a daughter of Abraham. Now, that's an important, very important phrase there. I don't know if you realize the magnitude of what he's just said there. Number one, it tells us she's a Jew. Number two, it tells us, uh, excuse me, Mr. Hypocrite, don't you remember the covenant that Abraham had with God Almighty? And this woman is part of that covenant. And so are all of us because we come into that covenant through another Jew, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So he's saying she's got a covenant with God because she's a daughter of Abraham. And Satan has bound her and she should not be bound because she's in covenant with God because of Abraham. He's saying, shouldn't she be released? Shouldn't she receive her healing? Shouldn't she straighten up? She came to the synagogue. She should have left different. Not for 18 years, every Saturday, she's going home like this, just like she went in. But the point I want you to notice is Jesus Christ himself said, this wasn't an accident, this wasn't, she wasn't beat up. He said, she's in this bowed down condition because Satan has bound her. Now, what a slap in the face it would have been if this woman had said, well, I just, you know, I believe it's just God's will for me to walk around like this the rest of my life. No, 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 Satan bound her. People would have come up to her and say, well, uh, let me pray for you. No, no, I, you know, I just believe it's just God's will. It just wants me to carry this cross. And let me tell you something. I know nobody in here would be that stupid. But let me tell you something. My experience in 37 years, when you hear people talking like that, they stay sick because they want the attention. And everybody feels sorry for that. Everybody say this, I love my pastor. You know the rest of it, right? I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've discerned it in my spirit. People stay sick because they know they're getting three meals a week from people, from friends and everybody else. And this one comes over to wash their clothes, and the other one comes over to watch the kids, and the, the guy doesn't have to go to work, and, and they stay sick because they prey on that stuff. Hallelujah, we're getting free tonight. <laughs> he said a spirit of infirmity has done this to her. It's a spirit that mimics a disease or it inflicts a disease on an individual. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they, us, may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. To not believe that God wants you healed is to be disrespectful to Jesus for all the price that he paid. All right, let's go. Isaiah 53. Are you guys getting anything tonight? Yes. Can I keep going? Yes. All right, Isaiah 53. 
Surely he has borne our griefs. And if you look in Hebrew, it's a word for sickness. And carried our sorrows. If you look it up, did I say Greek? I meant Hebrew. If you look it up in Hebrew, it's the word for sickness. And carried our sorrows. Sorrows in Hebrew is a word for pains, physical pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity, our sin. The punishment for our peace was upon him. And you want to read the rest of it nice and loud with me? And by his stripes, we are healed. Okay, good. Now look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. I want to bring this to you here because, because some of you, some of you, and I'm, I'm pointing the finger in this situation because I was never taught this, but I know some of you were taught that Isaiah 53 only pertains to spiritual healing. In other words, he bore our sins, bore our, all of our iniquities, all this stuff, and by his wounds, we're now cleansed of sin and, 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 uh, and, and punishment, and we're going to go to heaven because Jesus took our sin upon himself, okay? I don't want to waste the time to ask because I know that's a major doctrine in some evangelical fundamental denominations, okay? Isaiah 53 is only referring to our spiritual salvation. Okay, well, what are you going to do with Matthew chapter 8? Look at this now. When evening had come, they, the disciples, the multitude, brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed a few of them that were sick. And healed how many? All. All. Everyone that was there that was sick, he healed, right? Next verse. Look at this. Now, who wrote Matthew? Matthew's physical hand wrote it. Who inspired him? Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to tell him something that's not true? Okay, so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Okay, now, the scripture before this, the verse before this said, all who were sick were healed. It didn't say all who were sinners were saved. It said all who were sick, physical diseases, physical sicknesses, were healed. And then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew says he did this to fulfill Isaiah 53. And by his wounds or by his stripes were healed. You got it? Do you see what I'm trying to do? You see what I'm trying to tell you here? Isaiah 53 is both spiritual and physical. You got it? Because if he healed us of the spiritual, diseases have to go anyway. Because the physical sicknesses came because of spiritual sin. You got it? I told you it's going to be Bible study tonight. All right. Um, You got this? All right. This proves that Isaiah 53. Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, look at this again. I know you've heard me teach this before, but this is foundation. We're checking our foundations tonight. What do we believe so that when sickness or disease tries to come against us, what position are we going to take? Are you getting this? Yes. Okay. Now, Isaiah 53 is looking forward to the cross. You got it? Yes. Let's, say, let's say this is the cross. Isaiah 53 is looking forward to the cross. Peter knows what took place at the, at the cross, so years later, he writes to clarify this, and he was there when Matthew eight sixteen was taking place. Now, Peter, on the other side of the cross, is pointing back to that event. You catching this? Yeah. Now, you and I are over here, okay? We're on this side of the cross. We're on the other side of the cross. You catching this? How did you get born again? You got born again because you, you put your faith in an event that took place at the cross. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so Peter writes, talking about Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were. You're not, not enough of you got it. By whose stripes you were. Is were future tense? Past tense. So he's saying it's a done deal. It's a done deal. Listen to me. Those of you that are facing something right now, and you're in that time period of you're believing God, but it hasn't happened yet. 
do not let your ears hear your mouth say, I know someday God's going to heal me. No, that's not true. We'll bury you with those words on your lips. Because 1 Peter 2.24 says, by whose stripes you were healed. You have got to put yourself in a position to receive from an event that took place in the past, not looking for an event that's going to take place in the future. It's done. It's done. You got it? All right, so real quickly, let's go through some of the ways that we can receive healing and some of the ways that we can administer healing. Administer healing. And listen, I I want us to kind of focus on that a little bit more because um, many of us in this room, you know these teachings. But but what ends up happening is we we put them in our pocket and like put them in our, our safe in a vault and we hold on to them like they're only applied to us. No, the word teaches us not only how to receive our healing, but also how to administer healing, okay? And, and me, if you grew up in the church that I grew up in, I had no clue that it was ever God's desire for us to bring healing to others. Uh, I'd want a miracle from God myself. I didn't know that you could take those and do it to some, for somebody else. And that's important because it was one of the commands that, God, that Jesus gave to the church before he left here. He gave the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not only just go preach the gospel to every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, well, no, I'm going to cover it, so we'll get there. All right, number one, number one, and this is the number one way that most people receive their healing, the laying on of hands. Here it is, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So let me ask you a question. Who's the person who decides whether somebody goes to heaven or not? The person. He said, if you, if you believe, you're saved. If you don't, you're condemned. Okay? Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who what? Believe. Do you believe? Yes. How many believers do we have here? So these signs should be following us. You like that one, did you? These signs should be following us. Okay? In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents if they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they, the sick, will recover. That's the number one way by most, by the way most people get, get healed, have received their healing. And it's probably the number one way you're going to administer healing, okay? Laying on of hands, is just, there's something about it. I don't know if it's, if it's that um, we receive that touch from another individual. Uh, it's a way to transfer the power of God. Um, you know, it, it, it can happen sometimes that when you lay hands on somebody or somebody lays hands on you, you literally feel the power of God. It doesn't happen all the time. And, and you shouldn't have to go, I didn't feel anything. No, no, no. It didn't say if they feel anything, they're going to get it. It says if you lay hands on them, they're going to recover. Okay? Sometimes you do feel it. Okay? Now, here's the second most popular way people want to receive their healing. And this is gifts of healings. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Now, let me just real quick for the sake of time. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Most of us want to do nothing and receive a healing. Let's just be honest with each other. Oh God, I need a miracle. Oh God, I need a miracle. Oh God, I need a miracle. And the Holy Ghost is going, okay, well, I'm going to give you the scripture. I'm going to give you that scripture. I'm going to give you that scripture. I'm going to ask scripture. Oh, I have to read? (laughs) And listen to me. I'm presenting this in, in this way for a reason. Is it true that sometimes God works miracles just at a left field? Absolutely. Does it happen that often? No. Even in in Jesus' ministry, it didn't happen that often. You say, what? No, yeah, if you study it, you'll see it. Most of the time, 
people came with their faith and received their healing. How many times do you hear Jesus say, your faith has made you whole? Yes or no? But however, there are times. But I look at it this way. Rather than me just sitting around waiting for this to happen, why don't I just apply the faith that I need to apply and receive? Now, most of the times, these miracles out of left field, they usually happen to people who do not yet have a relationship with God because of his mercy, because of his goodness, because of his compassion, okay? Watch this now. I want you to, I want you to listen very closely with this because here, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying don't believe God for a miracle. You can believe God for a miracle and say, look, if you decide to do it this way, this is nice. But I know your word says, by his stripes I'm healed. I know you said that you wish that I would prosper and be in health as you said. I, I know these things. So if you decide to do it that way, that's wonderful. But in the meantime, I'm going to stand on your word. Because I don't want to say that. All right, listen, let me show you an example here. And this is probably the most powerful one I could show you. Now, promise me you're going to listen closely because you can misunderstand this and walk away and think different of Jesus. Now, in John chapter 5, verse 2, now in, there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate, by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Beth Ezda, having five porches, five enclosures that were all surrounding a pool of water. In these, in these enclosures lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. How many were there? So there was a few multitudes. So there's a multitude. There's a crowd. It's jam-packed with people that are blind, paralyzed, and, and, and lame. Well, lame, paralyzed, sick, they're sick waiting for the moving of the water. Now, we, there's no place in the scriptures that tell us that God was going to send an angel to do this. So we don't know if this is a pagan tradition, if this is something, a superstition that they developed. <clears throat> for an angel went down a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, then whoever stepped in first, and I'm saying this because the Bible tells us in the mouth of two or three different witnesses, let everything be established. This is the only place in scripture that I know of that this happens. If you found someplace else, please come and tell me. Okay? Then whoever steps in first after the stirring of the water is made well, whatever disease he had. Next verse. Now a certain man, could you say that? Certain man. A certain man is how many men? One. One. How many are there? Multitudes. Now a certain man was there who had infirmity, an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been in the condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. So this guy's gotten obsessed now. In his mind, the only way I'm going to get healed is if the water stirs and I get there first. See what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, so it's dangerous, dangerous. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down. Then the guy's been there 38 years. If he would have crawled a half an inch at a time, he'd get closer to the pool. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And what happens? The man's healed. Now, how many people were there sick? How many got healed? Now, let me ask you this question. If Jesus, now mind you now, remember this is a Bible study. Mind you now, do you think if Jesus could, would, could have that he would have desired to clear the whole place out. But he didn't. Not at that time anyway. We don't know if he went back at another time. But at that particular time, he was led by the Holy Spirit to one certain man. You catching this? Well, well, why didn't Jesus clean the whole place out? Because Jesus on earth did not operate as God. Jesus on earth operated as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's important for you, and it's important for me. Why? Because if Jesus operated as God on the earth, we have no hope of following his example. Why? Because contrary to popular belief, you're not God. You caught it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God that he came here as a man. 
because you and I can follow his example. If he's operating as a man with the Holy Ghost on him, you and I can do that. We can't be God. So you see what I'm saying? Now, watch this now. Everyone else there, the multitude that was there, could have operated in faith and received their healing if they knew about Jesus. Now, we don't know. When we get to heaven, one of you remind me to ask Jesus, or you can go ask him and then come and tell me. Did you ever go back to the pool of Bethesda and clean the whole place out? All we know is this. At this particular time, Jesus could, remember he said this, I only do what I see my father doing. What's my whole point tonight? It's wonderful when a miracle comes out of left field because there's nothing like, whoa, God did this. And I didn't have to lift a finger. But instead of laying there 38 years, rise up in faith. Ask somebody, hey, come here. You're a believer? Yeah. You believe in the word of God? Yes. You got the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Come and lay hands on me. Because the word says that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not maybe, they shall recover. Well, I had somebody laid hands on me the other night, nothing happened. It's a recovery. So that's why I'll have people sometimes say, Father, I thank you that on such and such a night, at such and such a time, hands were laid on me, and my cure and my healing are progressing on a regular basis. You see what I'm saying? What did you receive? You received hands laid on you, and they shall recover. Sometimes it's, and sometimes it's a process. But what would you rather be, heading in the direction of healing or staying stagnant? You got it? All right, so number one is laying out of hands. Number two is by the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. Next one, prayer of faith. James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Shall I? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let the person who's sick call for the elders of the church. Okay, I don't need 15 people contacting us to say, did you know that so-and-so was sick? The person who's sick, contact us. This is practical, church. Contact us. In the past, uh, I've been sick for three weeks. Well, who did you tell? Nobody called me for the church. Well, who did you tell? Did you tell anybody? Did you call for us? I love my pastor because he tells me the truth, whether it feels good or not. Okay, let's do it again. Is anyone among you sick? Let him slash her call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Okay, now that James 5, 14 and 15 is based on Mark 11, 23 and 24, where Jesus said, as surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, and disease can be a mountain, okay? Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he has said will be done. He will have whatever he says. Okay, this, this part got it. He shall have whatever he says. You guys, man, you're like blowing me away with the, like the force of that. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is not praying to get faith. This is praying because you have faith. Amen. I prayed the prayer of faith didn't work. I didn't think anything was going to happen anyway. You got it. You had whatsoever you said. I don't believe that stuff is not going to work. Praise God. You got whatsoever you said. And some of you sitting there going, I don't understand this. Uh, I don't believe any of this stuff works. You got whatsoever you said. Now, how much easier does it take any more work for you to say, uh, I believe the word of God. I believe it's true. And I receive my healing. 
Does it take more energy than saying, I don't believe any of this stuff works. I don't believe God's healing. I never received a healing. Well, guess what? You got what you said. It's that easy. All right, so included in James 5, 14 and 15 is also anointing with oil. Now, please, anointing with oil is nice, and and God uses that sometimes. But there's nothing special about the oil. So would you stop sending these characters on TV $100 for a little bottle of oil like this? Because by the time it gets to you, it's going to be rancid anyway. There's nothing magical about the oil. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You got this? So we got laying out of hands, miracles from the Holy Spirit, prayer of faith, anointing with oil, and let's see what's the last one. The most powerful one. The name of Jesus. You catching this? Acts chapter 3. Let's put it up on the screen. I want to walk through this. Watch this now. Watch this now. Do I still have your attention? Yes. I'm going to be done in just a few minutes if you stick with me. Okay? Please, will you? Because this one's important. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, lame from the never walked, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms. What's alms? Money. Money. Okay. From, these who, from those who went to the temple. Verse three. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter, Peter, fixing his eyes on the man with John next to him, Peter said to the man, look at us, okay? So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But what he's going to receive is not going to be something he could put in his hands. Because if what he could put in his hands would have solved his situation, he would have got corrected years ago, right? Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Oh, man. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. So look, look at, look at. Peter's not only using faith to say the name of Jesus, he's using faith because he expects this man has received his healing. And what does he do? He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet The sick man's feet and ankle bones received what? Strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And imagine a commotion, because this guy's been 38 years, he can't walk. Let's say they started bringing him when he was eight years old. 30 years, people have been coming in that gate and seeing the same sick guy paralyzed, begging, and now they see the same guys, and his legs don't look like chicken bones. His legs have received strength. His ankles have received strength. And not only is he walking, he's leaping, and he's praising God. What would you do? We'd all jump in and jump and then leap with him, yes? Well, it it got the religious people really nervous, and they didn't like this. And so they bring Peter and John for questioning. In Acts chapter 4, we see what the answer was. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Okay? They said to him, the religious leaders said to him, how did this miracle happen? How did this, because we know this guy. This guy's been here for three decades. Let it be known to you, religious people, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of who? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Next verse whom you crucified, and I like Peter had to throw that in there, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. I told you the story. The last kidney stone attack I had years ago, I'm suffering in pain. Now, I've had four or five of them and got delivered from them every single time. Every single time. I'm sitting, she takes me to, my wife takes me to the emergency room. You know, when you have them that many times, you start recognizing it. And then when the pain hits you full force, anybody ever had the pleasure to have a kidney stone attack? It's wonderful, isn't it? They tell you, they tell you for a guy, it's like having a baby, okay? So, so I'm there, and I'm sitting in the waiting room. I'm sitting in the waiting room. And my wife went to go park the car. They already put the thing on my arm. I'm sitting in the waiting room, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, 
man, this is bad. This pain is really bad. And I said, no, then all of a sudden, I swear to you, it was seriously, by the time she went and parked the car, comes back, I, I sit there, and all of a sudden, I said to myself, why am I putting up with this? I know better than this. This isn't the first time I've had these kidney stones. And every single time, God's delivered me. And I went, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, go. I swear to you, the pain just went, boom. She walks in, keys in her hand. I said, come on, we can go. <laughs> she said, you can't go. You got the thing on your arm. As soon as that happened, they come and get me. So I said, well, let's go see that there's nothing wrong. Sure enough, CAT scans, all this other stuff. Nothing there. Gone. Gone. In the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, don't sit there and suffer. Don't, don't, well, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe God's trying to teach me. God, no, go, go, go. God's not trying to teach God doesn't use that to teach you. Okay, he uses the Bible to teach you. Don't suffer in silence. That's what most of us end up doing. We suffer in silence. Rise up in that righteous indignation because it's illegal for the devil to put that on you anyway because you're not a citizen of this kingdom. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And rise up and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you go. Amen? Amen. Did you learn anything tonight? Did you learn anything tonight? All right, good. Come on up.